Welcome to another episode of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast brought to you by the Georgetown County Library System in Inverse Genius. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me staggering blindly through the internet as Walsvio. And I'm here today once again with Stephanie Fry. And today we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of games we've played recently. Light them up for us, Stephanie. Tales of Equestria and Cloud Dungeon. All right, so do we want to hit the Cloud Dungeon first or the Tales of Equestria? Uh, let's start with Cloud Dungeon. The Cloud Dungeon you can buy either in hard copy or in PDF form, and I recommend both. But specifically, I recommend you have a printable copy of it. Absolutely, because you're going to have to refill that bad boy. What is the Cloud Dungeon? So the Cloud Dungeon is a game where you cut your characters out, and as you go through the storybook, it will explain the rules of things, it will explain what your characters are doing, what choices you have, and then in turn, those things will affect your little sort of paper dolls that you have. Right. It is as much Arts and Crafts Day as it is a game, uh, but it is quite a bit of both, I think. Very much so. Um, it's, it's just a fascinating little game. Like, you know, maybe you will enter a room and there will be wolverines in there and you have the choice between petting the wolverines or... Throwing food or uh, attacking them. Right. And uh, it could be that if you decide to pet the wolverines, you turn over the next page and check what happens and it says... You've been mauled by the wolverines. Lose a health and draw claw marks all over your face. Right. Now, there are some of the actions that you do them, and they say put a mark on a piece of paper, right? There are, uh, and those are really fascinating because there will be times when you check actions and they'll say, if you have a five circled, then this happens. Otherwise, this other thing happens. So you will be, it's sort of a choose your own adventure style activity where what you do now will affect what happens in the future. So we gave a dude a sandwich early on and he didn't want a sandwich. He didn't. Apparently he didn't. He ate it, but that was not all he wanted. No, he didn't actually eat it. It turns out. Oh, he Mm. tossed it to like somebody else. Ungrateful sandwich thrower. He, but yeah, so you have all these choices of what to do. Now it it presents itself as a role-playing game because you have a character And with your character, you have items that you've got that you'll be using later. And you make choices, and you have stats. And you have advancement, because things will happen where your character changes over time, for better or ill. So it does, it really plays with that trope. And something that a lot of the younger kids like is you also have a little pet of some sort that you get to follow you around. And mine was a video game box. And yours was? Mine was... A tentacle turtle? Was that yours? Yeah, it was like a little jellyfish tentacle turtle. It was so cute. Um, and, you know, they can have an effect on the game, but mostly it plays as a, hey, you're going along and you're doing choices. I think that if you played this again, where one of us was the GM and we were running the kids through it, that it would enhance the the role-playing aspects and, and sort of the immersive quality of it, but it would also probably extend the playtime quite a bit. Oh, it absolutely would extend the playtime. But that would be a fascinating way to fascinating way to play it and it actually plays out in chapters so it has sort of these natural break spots but um when you have that basic book it really is only playable by a group once as long as you don't unless you don't mind spoilers then you can sort of go through it again and make different choices like a choose your own adventure book Mm -hmm. and every time you play you have to refill those pages yes 
And so I recommend it highly. Uh, there's also an expansion pack of characters or some things that you can have weirder or stranger characters. I think there's like a, a character who looks like a Venus flytrap or something like that and some other crazy characters. And there's one character who's three characters because you've apparently all escaped from prison. Or you can just either be invisible or draw your own character in. Yes. So, there is a lot to it. I recommend it highly if you're looking for sort of an active story time, a good introduction to uh, the basics of role-playing games. You know, Nobody is probably going to die while they're playing the game. I don't know what happens when you get to zero. Maybe make up a new character or something. Um, when you get to zero, I think you flip it over to the ghost side. Oh, that's right. The, and there's... You, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, there's a, so you have ghosts of your characters on the other side of your sheets. Um, and I think what happens is, you, so you flip it over to the ghost side, and there's certain actions you're not allowed to participate in anymore. Mm. And it's like, if there's a certain mark in the book, then you can't do those actions. Huh. Because you're a ghost. So that's pretty exciting. There's, yeah. there's There's a lot to it. It is not complex, and it is designed to... You pick it up and you start playing even if you have not already played it. Yes. Or you haven't read it, right? It's not you it's designed to be GMless. It is. You essentially either take turns reading out of the book or you just have one person who your dedicated reader. Um, it is just a fascinating little game and it's so easy to play and pick up. We will share links in the show notes of sort of what our characters ended up looking like um, <laughs> at the end. And they might be a little spoilery, but I don't think enough that would mess with your fun while just playing through the activity. Right. Well, and the other interesting thing is the expansion actually has alternates to some of the items that we picked up. Oh, okay. That's neat. So you can swap certain pages out. So instead of getting maybe lollipop axes, you get some other option like a fish fillet club. Yeah. So there's a variety of things. And it might seem like, hey, you're getting a random piece of loot at some point, or you have the option to buy a thing or whatever. And you're like, well, I don't know why I'd want this. And then later in the adventure, it, it's like, if you have this and it hasn't had this happen to it, then blah. If you have done this other thing to that thing that you picked up, then other blah. Oh, that's right. You're um, So you have starting items. Yes. Those are the ones that are going to affect things. But all of the other stuff is for decoration, essentially. Well, there are some things that you would pick up or whatever that... I mean, there are some later in, but there's there's like a whole section of crazy items that you can throw on your character that are just for customization. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. That like the cockatoo that I picked up or the. And who knows if we had chosen a different path might have had an effect Mm-mm. because I had <laughs> I had the robots to start with the action figures. Yes, but that was a starting item. And with the expansion, by the way, there is one expansion book, which we don't have yet, Expelled. Oh, I really want to play that one. Um, which is basically you've been kicked out of Hogwarts or something. We don't know exactly. And it is a legally distinct entity school, wizarding school from Hogwarts, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so that looks neat. There's a lot to this, but it's easy to approach. I think it is designed to be fun. There was one encounter in it where I go, like, well, this just ground the game to a halt. Um, where you're going up a wall of spiders oh, and it got yeah. exceptionally mechanistic and dealing with, yeah, it's like, oh, this isn't, there aren't a lot of fun decisions being made here. I think if you were playing with kids who wouldn't yeah. always make the best choice, then maybe 
Yeah. Maybe it would have been more fun. Yeah, I I find it interesting because it does seem like each sort of encounter they try something kind of different or new. Yeah, yeah. And they still try to use. You have three stats, and they try to use all of them, Absolutely. which is pretty great. All right, so that was the Cloud Dungeon, and you can find it at andhegames.com slash the Cloud Dungeon, and or you can probably just search the Cloud Dungeon online. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be the one that looks like a uh, paper doll sort of coloring book kind of thing. And let's see, that that one plays up to, what, like six? Yeah. I you mean, could you, probably do more if you really wanted. Or but. you could just run it twice with two different groups. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got two adults to help manage through, you could easily do two groups of four or six and it would work fine. Absolutely. So it'd be really great for an introductory role-playing program. Absolutely. Or, or even just a slightly more interactive story time. Yeah. You know. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is My Little Pony Tales of Equestria, which is a role-playing game based on, well, the My Little Pony franchise. Oh, yeah. So what else has to be said about this game besides that? Um... I find it very fascinating because I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting much from the the actual game system mechanic mm-hmm. stuff from this one because it is my little pony. But it had a couple of neat things in it. But it did have a couple of like I was expecting, you know, we'd come in and we'd use like nothing but maybe D6s or something like that. But no, you actually use the full range of D4 through D12. D- yeah. I think it's D well, might be D20. At least through D12. Yeah. Um, so the way it works is you have three stats. One's your body, essentially how tough you are. One's your mind, essentially how clever you are. And then one is your charm, which is how good you're at, you are with talking to people. You also have talents and quirks. Yeah. Which those are fascinating. You get to pick one of those. But essentially... Any of these things is represented by a dice. Um, so if you're really good at it, it might be, you know, like a, a D8. So anytime you have to do something involving that stat, you roll a D8. If you're not very good at it, it will just be like a D4. But the really neat mechanism that they have for this is if you say you roll a D4 for something and it's something that you're like, oh, this will be really hard to succeed at because maybe I have to wrestle a manticore, but I'm not very good at, you know, my body's really low. Um, So you roll that d4, and then you end up miraculously getting four on it. The dice explodes, and so you get to roll the next dice size up. So you'd grab a d6, and maybe you roll that d6, and you get a six on that. That dice explodes. You get to roll the next dice up. And so... Once it finally doesn't roll the max number on that dice, you get to pick what number you want to use out of those that you rolled. Absolutely. And it is, I guess, exploding dice are normally you roll the die and you keep rolling that same die. This is very much a snowball effect where you keep having the chance to roll even higher than you initially rolled. But eventually you'll pick whatever the best roll is. It felt like a very refined mechanic as opposed to hey, look, uh, we're just making a game for kids. It's an easy enough to understand. The kids will get excited about it. 
they'll be learning the different shapes of dice in an easy to do way because they're always going to start with the pyramid or the square because you don't usually start with a d8 or higher in most stuff yeah uh, and so it's still introductory level with a little bit of learning sort of baked in to ex- expose them to more standard role-playing game stuff right it's 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 introductory and yet still has some interesting complexity to it. Um, and you've also got the tokens of friendship that do interesting things. Like, So depending on how many tokens of friendship, you can give these tokens back to get better and better effects. Like if you give one back, you can ignore the dice and re-roll it. If you give two back, you can ignore the dice and then roll a d20 instead. And then if you give three back, you can just pass the test. And so the way you get these tokens of friendship is by playing to your character or being like, instead of doing the sort of standard, like, I'm going to beat it up, be kind to ponies and your GM will reward you for it. And that kind of stuff, kind of try to play into the actual My Little Pony universe where everything isn't solved with violence. Right. And you were running it, and I was drafted to play. Because you were? the players said, no, no, don't do whatever else you're doing. Come and play. That was that was kind of fun. <laughs> uh, and it was neat to see the diversity of ponies that we had at the table. Um, you know, we had, what, a hard rock, heavy metal sort of pony. We did. Um, we had a... We had the cute little silly pony. I loved her cutie mark so much. She had a spider on her cutie mark, but at the end of each of the spider legs... The spider had, like, high heels, and so she was the kind of Pinkie Pie silly sort of pony. Nice. It was just neat. There was a great variety, and the choices we had were pony, pegasus, or unicorn. unicorn. And uh, so my personality trait was I'm a helper. Yes. So whether I wanted to do a thing or not, or whether they wanted help or not, I was going to help. Yeah, like, so at the beginning, there was a stage magician or something like that doing a show and you just like went right up there to like go help him even though he's like no really i'm fine it's okay like i'll be your helper or someone was going through my pack to get my the food and all this stuff i just purchased I was like oh you need this you must need it more than i do so take it yeah you know and which could have come back to bite me if i had needed the apple pie that was being eaten by the pet or not right and so we ran the um it's called pets predicament and it's the sort of first basic adventure from the My Little Pony rulebook. So you, if you get the rulebook, you can just go ahead and start playing that adventure as soon as your GM's read through it and picked right. it up. Now, so you, you pretty much picked this up and you had read it once, right? Yes. And then you were throwing it through. It looked like they didn't do a great job at optimizing the here's the most basic information you need, and then here's more information that you had to sort of dig through. I did have to dig through at times. Yeah, um, and I think that's a problem you get with a lot of role-playing games is that they're not sort of optimized for on the fly, I'm going to grab some information and go. They need more sidebars of, this is what we're talking about. This is the most basic thing that you need to know. Right, or you need to refer back to blah, blah, blah. Because I know I'm, having, I'm running a D&D campaign for them, and I'm having that issue, so please, if you make rule books and you're listening, please sidebars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sidebars and footers are your friend. It was a lot of fun. You know, we 
sort of each had our own roles and we each had a different pet that we had to watch after. Yes, and that's what was so cute about that uh, that scenario, actually, is uh, everybody's watching the pets of the main six ponies from the show. And since there are so many pets, each player is essentially going to have one or two pets they kind of are in charge of. Right. And it, it would be very possible for you to leave out the pets so that each person just had one. If you as a GM, if you're running this for your kids or having to do it, you don't have to have all of the pets. Or you can say, all right, there's this one pet that nobody has, so everybody has to be on the lookout to help it or what have you. You don't necessarily have to follow through. It's a very scalable adventure is what I'm saying. It really is, just because um, the the predicament that happens is something insane goes down and then all the pets essentially go flying out the window or scurrying off. And if you want to scale it, you for time or for ease, you can always just have some of the pets, like, maybe they just went outside. So Right, right, right. Um, so, I will say that I liked it a lot. I thought the system was, you know, very nice, especially for what it was trying to do. There are a batch of expansions for it, and one of the things that you can get is the, the GM screen, which... Is in the Curse of the Statuettes box. It and comes with the GM screen, it comes with a little expanded scenario book. There's, I think my, one of my favorite parts is the pad of paper that it comes with that's got some like pre-done ponies that you add all of your extra stuff to. Which you can probably get from online and print. But you can. It's but nice it's, to have that as a kit. Right. It's so nice to just have that pad of paper there and be able to just tear it out and show everybody their options and have them sort of pick ahead of time. And I think it also comes with the dice. Mm, okay. Um, which, if you've got your role-playing stuff, you don't necessarily need, but it's cool to have. Um, now, one of the things is they, they sell a couple of other things. One of them is a Tokens of Friendship box, which has got a little baggie and a bunch of really itty-bitty acrylic crystals, which are just kind of horrible um, and expensive for what you get. Unless you just want the little uh, plushy light bag. bag. Yeah. Um, I recommend you just going to your craft store and getting, or your aquarium shop, actually, it would be even better, and getting these slightly bigger acrylic gems and using those. Or anything. If you've got a bunch of My Little Pony figurines, you could use those. Or what's really cool, actually, speaking of the My Little Pony figurines, it would be really cool if you, like, if you're somebody who likes to use maps and that kind of stuff, those would be so easy to just use as, like, player figurines for this game. Absolutely. I was so upset that I didn't bring my collection in. Oh. Um, but that's pretty neat. There's also a, a My Little Pony Festival of Lights expansion. Uh, so there's there's enough to get into it and to have content to run for your group or for your library for a while. It's easy enough that anyone can pick up GMing it if they're at all interested in doing so. Um, my, that's my take on it. What's your take on it? Your final thoughts? I, I love it. It's really simple, um, fantastic, introductory, and still it's got sort of the complexity there that keeps it interesting for the older players. I was kind of expecting a lot of people at the table to just kind of hate it because it was My Little Pony, but I didn't get that feeling. I still felt like everybody was having a blast, so I was really happy with that. Um, and I feel like it's... Simple enough and interesting enough that after maybe you run the first adventure, you're going to be like, 
okay, that was fun. That was kind of interesting. Now I want to take it in my own sort of way and build my own adventure out. And that would be awfully easy to do. It really would. And so I, I, the one thing I really have to say about both of these games that we've played is they're, they're suitable for younger folks. So that's good. Uh, now with the Cloud Dungeon, you may want to have somebody else manning the scissors or have cut all the things out before they start so that they can say, oh, this is the one and hand it out and then people can, you know, color it and tape it onto their paper dolls. Right, depending on who your audience for that right. is. But they're also, uh, well, Cloud Dungeon especially is gender neutral. It's not like, it's not screaming for, hey, boys, come and play this. Yeah. It's kind of a, hey, you know, you just want to have fun, come and play this. Yeah. And if you're looking to diversify your, uh, you know, your role-playing game genders, in, then the My Little Ponies will work as well. I mean, we've got yeah. some brony kids who, who like we to play We absolutely do. But we also have... But they're always very like, oh, I watch it because my cousin watches it. But then they divulge so many details about the characters that you're like, you're pa- sure. You're watching it, but you're paying attention. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it, and, it, and it does, they both sort of give hey, this is different ways to do role-playing. So I think that that is particularly exciting about both of these games is it's not all beat things up. Right. And I I like some of the interesting problem-solving and stuff that you get from the actual My Little Pony when it's like you're not supposed to solve it with the violence. So um, I think that is there any other games that we have, as long as we're talking about games that will bring other people in or, or games that will appeal to a wider audience that you think necessarily also do that sort of thing. Like, would you say that the, the Fate Accelerated is is also in that camp? I, I would say Fate Accelerated is also in that camp. I feel like it's so... It can do so much. The only thing that's gonna cause your demographic of who you attract is what you're running with it like if you want to attract a whole wide variety of people you could just you know run a program where you're like okay we're gonna run fate accelerated and it's harry potter or whatever franchise is popular or is popular with the demographic that you're going for now uh, a couple of other uh, rpgs that we have for young people Uh, we haven't played no thank you evil yet so we'll get back to that one but we have played Adventure Maximus. Oh, that one's interesting. Maximus. Now, it strikes me as being a little more towards the boy side. But on the other hand, I don't think it needs to be, right? I don't think it, yeah. I think it could be neutral, right? I don't think it's... Honestly, I think with that one, it would just depend on whatever... Like, if you're running a program, whatever your flyers and stuff look like. Right, because... The way you make your characters up, you can sort of do it however you want. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the themes or the settings or whatever are not all grim, dark, serious. So you can have kids who just like to have fun yeah. versus kids who want the exceptional power fulfillment. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. And then we did Hero Kids, which is more like a standard or bog standard Dungeons and Dragons, but for kids. Yes. So, if you're looking for almost a miniatures game, that one is yeah, very much a miniatures game. Then, but anyway, it's it's nice too. But there are it is neat to see that there are a whole bunch of games 
that are not all focused at, you know, angsty teenagers or... Or just running around and murdering everything. Right. It's not like, all murder hobos. Yeah. Which is always exciting. And I'm always, like... I'm always excited when my players in, like, D&D or anything else where the easy option is, like, just killing stuff, actually try stuff and just alternatives. Now, what about Dread? I know it's not really for kids... But it certainly isn't isn't in the, hey, the best solution is always to shoot something. Usually the best solution is... To run away? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe that's also why I gravitate towards that one. Um, just because that one also has some very interesting problem solving happening. Because there's a lot of the, you're not going to be able to just kill a monster, so you have to figure out how to survive until either you can escape or figure out what its weakness is. Nice. Okay. Well, listeners, please let us know what your favorite role-playing game type of activities are that you think, you know, sort of have a wide appeal or are, you know, excellent for kids because, you know, I think that uh, if we get them started early, they won't all just want to murder monsters. Oh yeah. They'll actually like talk to the goblins first. Yes. Well, in fact, we are talking our way through the Curse of Strahd. You guys are. I love it. I I love it so much. Just so fun. Mm. All right. Well, um, thank you for listening to another episode of Games in Schools and Libraries. You can find out more about the show and the people who create it by heading over to inversegenius.com and checking out our other fine shows as well, like on board games, on minis games, on RPGs, and the Room Escape Divas. I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Stephanie Fry. And you've been listening to Games in Schools and Libraries. Brought to you in part by the Georgetown County Library System. <laughs>